welcome to America This Week from the Harris Poll. I'm John Gersma, and I'm with Libby Rodney. Libby, we're in person. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? It's nice to see your face. It is so nice. <laughs> we have returned to work. We're usually traveling around the country, flying around, but we're together in one place today. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're in the beautiful World Trade Center. We've got a lot to get into, right? But, Absolutely. Um, but let me first say, you know, if you're new to our show, we are both pollsters who try to give you a pulse on what's happening in the country each week and sort of an unfiltered look at public opinion and try to debate it from both sides. And if you're curious about America, I guess you've come to the right place. <laughs> so we do love our community and we welcome polling ideas. So just drop us a note on LinkedIn or also go to LinkedIn and check out the America This Week newsletter. But really importantly, please leave us a review because it sort of helps people find the show. And Libby, I know someone from our community reached out to you this week. Oh yeah, we had this wonderful review from Richard Jerukidis who said that He's been following our podcast and it actually influenced him after 42 years of practicing law to get his master's in psychology and really thinking about how the podcast helps him illuminate generational points of views that will help him figure out design approaches in the future. So we just wanted to say thank you, Richard, for that. Um, and everyone else, like if this podcast is doing anything for you, we'd love to hear from you and love to hear how it, it helps. That's just amazing. Well, well, Libby, what are we going to cover in this week's episode? Yeah, so we're going to cover the streaming stealers that content companies can't seem to wrangle in. We're going to cover Thursday nights are America's new prime time. And what we mean is Amazon prime time. <laughs> and then social, say goodbye to your friends. The algorithm is here to stay. And young people are really leading the way on that. Oh, awesome. Well, First, as always, let's bring in the weekly heat. We look for three numbers that were sort of defining this week's news in American polling. The first number, Libby, is 73. This is obviously related to the economy. 73% of Americans remain concerned about affording their living expenses, and that's up four points from last week. I guess no surprise with rising interest rates, mortgage rates, the Fed rate rise that continues to be a pulse of America. 54 is our second number. Libby, this is kind of interesting. 54% of Americans who have already paid off their student loans actually still support the student loan forgiveness program. So over half. Over half of Americans yeah. are saying, even though this doesn't affect me, I think this is a good program. And then lastly, Libby, do you know what today is? No, what's today? Tell me. It's not only Friday, it's the first day of fall. So <laughs> the good folks at Harris went out and talked to Americans and 64% of Americans are looking forward to cooler weather. But perhaps most importantly, nearly 4 in 10, 38% are looking forward to their own kids going back to school. So as someone who stares at school buses, how do you kind of jive at those numbers? I love it. There's so much more worn out during the school year. It's fantastic. And they're learning. It's a double benefit for there, parents. There you go. There you go. Well, hey, let's get into our three stories. So the first story Libby talked about was this idea of streaming stealers. And let me kind of set it up. So Netflix, we know, I think they're rebounding a little bit. The stock's been up uh, significantly over the past four months. But Netflix has obviously been hit hard by not only competitive platforms, but guess what? People sharing passwords. Sure. And, you know, what we see in this data, we got very curious about it. So we went out and asked Americans if they engage in this type of consumer, I guess you could say password hacking. <laughs> and here's what we found. One third of Americans, 33%, actually admit that they're mooching off their family and friends. 
for their stream and logins, which sort of equates to roughly about 100 million Americans that are that are doing this. But Gen Z, mm-hmm. those are those young Americans, 10 to 25 years old, they kind of take pass, password grifting to a new level. Listen to this. Two-thirds of Gen Z you say they use family, friends, streaming logins to watch content, and that's nearly twice that of all Americans. And it's 18-point higher than millennials. It's 33 percentage points higher than Gen X and it's 45% points higher than than boomers. But if that's not all, Gen Z also steals passwords the most across <laughs> platforms. 62% of Gen Z also admit to using one to five of their family or friends streaming logins. That's a big difference from the general population at 39%. And among those Gen Zers who are using those logins, on average, they're using at least two. But Libby, this has got to take the cake. I don't know if you remember, you know, the old world of relationships, you know, you would keep your significant other's records, right? Yeah. Your, your records, or right? Or favorite sweater or something like that. You had to take something, yeah. hold on to it. Had to have yeah. a momentum or a trophy. Well, listen to this. Gen <laughs> Zers are even streaming on their ex's accounts. What we're seeing here is it close to four in 10 of Gen Z, 37% report having used an ex-partner's streaming login after a breakup. And it gets worse. After a few weeks, 12%. After a few months, 13%. And there's still 12% saying they're still doing it currently. (laughs) So what's crazy about that, John, is like, imagine you go to Netflix, you've broken up with a person, and then all that you see is horror movies. And so they're (laughs) still messing with you. So your algorithms algorithms all messed up. And who does, who's not sharing basically an account with some Gen Zer at this point? I mean, our family okay. is, I'm sure you are, right? Totally. And <laughs> we're not offering dating advice, but for all of you folks out there, maybe change your passwords. Yeah. So Libby, I mean, really, what do you make of all this sort of password, uh, I guess, pilfering? Well, so I think there's two key things here. A, I think the industry allowed this. They wanted this. It was a subsidy. It was like, We'll grow over everything. We don't care ethically, morally, if you're paying us. In fact, in 2014, the CEO of HBO said that he didn't care. He was worried about creating the next generation of HBO addicts. And so that's probably not the most appropriate term, but that's the Mm. term that he used. And so I think it's just interesting because the industry just wanted growth over everything. And now that capital is tight and it's hard to access money, you know, now it's about how do you make sure you monetize the users and the growth that you actually have. And so, and then the other thing is generationally, you have to imagine just like millennials grew up with Napster and felt like, why are, why do I have to pay for music? I'm so used to ripping music off, off the internet. They didn't change and start paying for music until there was a new product or development or service. So People are paying for YouTube, people are paying for Spotify, people paid you know, in the past for things like Pandora. So I think it's also up to the industry to figure out new models that make it relevant for Gen Z to pay for these subscription services. That's really interesting, but your, your whole idea sort of harkens back to a previous episode or two where we talked about the different dynamics of growing a market versus being in, a, in market share. Because you see sort of a significant difference right now in strategies. Yeah, I mean, before when access was, or capital was easy to access, it was all about growth, growth over everything, and everything was cheap, and to the consumer base it was cheap, 
And they also told you, hey, it doesn't matter if you're sharing like these passwords. Yeah. Just just go and watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, that's great. But now it's like, hey, we actually have to go back to investors and, and talk about the profit and the growth that they were making in terms of profit. So now the you know, someone's pulling the chair out of the consumers end. And I think Gen Z is like, I don't, you're not gonna pull the chair under me. I've been getting all this content for free forever. So they don't think of it, I don't think, as a moral or ethical dilemma. They're just like, this is the world I've always lived in. Fascinating. Another aspect of sort of removing a little bit of that benefit from the convenience economy, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, The Guardian wrote a great piece about the golden age of convenience is over, right? Mm. And that we need to be paying for the things that we buy and purchase, so. Super interesting. Well, talk to me a little bit about uh, what we've got sort of as a, uh, we call it a palate cleanser, but this is sort of a simple stat or two that just sort of <laughs> either makes us laugh, learn, or lean in. So this this one's kind of fun. This is about Amazon's prime time grip gets tighter over Americans. So here's two numbers for you. Americans love football. Oh, yeah. 42% of Americans are looking forward to football this fall. That includes men and Gen Xers and millennials. John, what's your favorite team? I'm going to go with the Giants because they haven't been good for a millennia. So I'm back right. on the bandwagon. I got to go with the Vikings because I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> we never win, but you know. But the other thing here is Americans love Prime, Amazon Prime, and it's sticky. So an estimated 150 million Americans are members of Amazon's Prime Shopping Club, which is over about 60% of the U.S. shopping population, making it one of the most paid popular technology services in the U.S. And if you're a Prime member for at least two years, nearly 98% of them keep renewing. That is an insane number. So Amazon was like, we need to combine the love of football with our Prime day to drive, or Prime membership to drive stickiness. So you combine those two, you get Amazon's first broadcast of Thursday Night Football, Hmm. which attracted 13 million viewers and a record number of Prime signups over a three-hour period. More than Prime Day, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So just an insane amount of it's new crazy. In a three-hour period. In a three-hour period. Now, that cost Amazon a billion dollars. Yeah. But what's a billion dollars when you're Amazon? <laughs> Libby, Libby, do you think this is related, or how is this related, rather, to cord cutting? Right? Because it's harder and harder. Like, live audiences have become sort of like this gold... Standard. I mean, this is a sort of a conscious move, right, by Amazon to get into the broadcast space. The one thing that's always been impossible for the streaming companies to touch is sports Mm. and live sports. And so Amazon moving into the space, YouTube moved into the space a couple years ago. They're really trying to figure out how do we help people, especially sports fans, cut those cords finally. And then cable companies are just responding by increasing the price of broadband. <laughs> Incredible. We should go a little bit deeper in sports sometime soon because there's been record packages out to the conferences like the SEC and the Big Ten for yeah. sports because of that. You know, it's just trying to harness that live audience is really incredible. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, let's talk about our second story. This is a story about goodbye to social networks <laughs> and sort of hello to the algorithm. The algorithm is, is here to stay. This is a really, I think, interesting sort of angle and I'd Libby, would love your take on this, but mm-hmm. we'll start with the data. You know, Gen Z isn't on social media just for their friends' content. They would rather see the world's great content. 
And it seems like, Libby, what's going on here is there's there's some sort of a generational shift, right? That mm -hmm. millennials were more focused on what their friends were doing, and Gen Z seems to be using this platform for learning and discovery. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see that in the data, right? I mean, they're significantly higher to use social to sort of access content and to learn at 56% versus Gen X at 42% or boomers at 31%. Also, two-thirds of Gen Z at 65% say that social media algorithms have increased the content they like to consume and be entertained by. Again, significant differences between Gen X at 48 and boomers at, at 25. Let me just stop right there. I mean, when you just look at those two numbers and those differences generationally, what do you see, Libby? So, I think... So the millennial generation created social media and it was a way to connect to your friends and create your networks. And then what happened are two things. Gen X and boomers got really comfortable with that and said, okay, now we understand what social media is about and it's about connecting to my peers and understanding you know, where my family's at or shared political points of views and all these other things. And then Gen Z's coming in and saying, well, we connect to our friends in different ways in general. Like We connect to our friends through the DMs, but it's the content that we care about. It's mm. the content that is the most interesting to us. So when you look at a platform like TikTok, it's bringing you content from learning, from entertainment, from culture. And then, so it's, it's kind of like your new cable channel. And in fact, TikTok is one of the primary things that Netflix is worried about because if more people are engaged in TikTok than they are Netflix, this is where their their social connection there is in the direct messages to each other. Like, I, I saw this and I thought you'd like it. Previously, Instagram, Facebook was, hey, I have a child now. <laughs> like, hey, I went on this cool vacation. It's something about them. But the connection moving forward mm. is about the shared appreciation, shared value, shared learning of the content itself. It's really fascinating. And, you know, if you think about the lack of trust in institutions. There seems to be something else going on here with sort of people consuming via TikTok through their networks to sort of, I mean, Libby, would you describe it as often authentic content? It's the sort of content where you're learning whether it's like how to cook or, you know, sort of getting career advice from videos from people that you trust. Yeah, and in fact, even um, Google CEO count, uh, called it out recently and said 40% of people are, are searching on TikTok, which is a threat against them. And so they're looking at how-tos, recipes. There's a big localization impact on small businesses because people are going to TikTok to find restaurant reviews, cafes. Like This is becoming kind of the new center of gravity for hmm. a lot of these young people. So, okay, so comment mm -hmm. on this. The last part yeah. of this data, Libby. Gen Z, we asked a question, mm -hmm. do you believe that algorithms have the potential to share more perspectives? Mm -hmm. Gen Z believes that at 57%, nearly double that of boomers at 23%. Mm -hmm. Boomers instead are more fearful that <laughs> algorithms are gonna be spreading misinformation. Isn't that really the challenge? Yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting challenge because boomers might be thinking of Facebook. They also might be thinking of TikTok and being more skeptical about what people are consuming because right. of the messages they've consumed. But what's interesting is if you're on a pla platform like Facebook or a platform like Instagram, you actually end up seeing the same messages over and over and over again. Like you start to see a, the same bubble, same theme. 
On TikTok, I think what's so impressive about the algorithm is that they're kind of constantly introducing new themes and everything feels very fresh and in of the moment. So that's why I think Gen Z thinks they have the potential to share more perspectives because they're not as filtered by one center of culture. It's more like little towers of Babel for better or worse. That's really interesting. So you could potentially see down downstream sort of a benefit against echo chambers, right? If it's opening up the algorithms a little bit. Yeah, and per perhaps that's true. I mean, if you look at Facebook, it's kind of a two-party system of right. are you good totally. or are you bad on Facebook? Are you blue or are you red? But on a platform like TikTok, it's much more nuanced. And I think that has threats to it because it's, it's harder to see what people's real perspectives are. But it also allows a lot more types of conversation and hmm. people to be connecting. Well, it's clearly the case in the Harris poll data from America this week, Gen Z thinks that TikTok will set the vision for the future of social media. That's 58%, nearly six in 10 Gen Zers, versus only four in 10 boomers, whereas boomers think Instagram will set the vision at 58% versus Gen Z, which is off by way over 20 points. I mean, that kind of crystallizes it, right? And, you showed me a, a really interesting Instagram post from Kim Kardashian, right? Because they were messing up her, her filter. Kim Kardashian wrote Instagram saying, make Instagram, Instagram again, stop trying to be TikTok. I just want to see cute photos of my friends. Sincerely, everyone. Which is just inherently not true. Kim Kardashian is a businesswoman. She's not there to see her friends. She just doesn't want to be exited out of the algorithm. I think the challenge for a lot of creators like a Kim Kardashian is that you don't have a lot of understanding of how people view your content on TikTok. So there's just, there's less transparency there, but also that, you know, Facebook and Instagram have been catering certain types of A-type celebrities for a long time. And the move into TikTok is actually a little bit more anti-celebrity. Mm -hmm. So celebrities don't get as much traction or pickup on TikTok as they would on Instagram because Instagram's a much more, you're looking into someone's life, you're aspiring towards something versus TikTok is a little bit more like you're talking about something, you're doing something, you're activating something. It's it's a different lens of authenticity that's driven by this younger generation. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I feel like that previous model you talked about, that is a influencer, which is look at me, mm -hmm. I'm aggregating eyeballs. And the view on the TikTok is maybe not creator, but like more community builder. Yeah, and it, I think it's trying to, I mean, I think the reason people are on platforms like TikTok, but also the new ones like Be Real, is because they're trying to have a little bit more statement and conversation around what's really happening mm. in their lives. Last question, Libby. Mm -hmm. So if you're a marketer in the middle of this generational war, sort of trying to maybe experiment and do more work on TikTok, I mean, what are the considerations for brands? I think there's the probably the biggest one and is with all the creator community in general is not to think about your brand as someone who's vetting a creator, but thinking about your brand as how do you get the invitation into the creator community and into that particular community? So how do you show up? How do you act? How do you become a steward that that person then wants to invite you to a quote unquote 
social party, right? right. And I think the, the Instagram of the world, and I'm not talking about the Instagram of today, but traditionally the concept of it, a Kim Kardashian type, is I've, I've vetted you and you are now okay enough to talk about my brand. In the future, I think brands, and especially brands on TikTok, because there are these more microcosms, it's like, how you know you're raising your hand to be like i think what you're doing is amazing how can i support you and they invite you in so it's a little bit of a different relationship and paradigm there great advice as always libby rodney i think let's should we leave it there yeah let's leave it there all right this is america this week with libby rodney and john gersma and as we said at the beginning please leave us a review or send us a polling idea right libby yeah we'd love that we'd love to hear back from you you know people's polling ideas have gotten in here if this makes you think of anything, any follow-ups, let us know. And check out America this week on LinkedIn. And as always, stay curious. Have a great weekend, everyone.